Good evening, fans. Tim Kittrow here, the voice of NBA Jam. And you're listening to the Game Dev Breakdown Podcast, brought to you by CodeWritePlay.com. Whoa, boom shakalaka. My mom gave birth in 1985. I was bluer than a Pac-Man ghost, barely alive. In the Cold War, my only blanket was Tetris. I played Rampart with Reagan Rampage, the world for breakfast. The laundry mat was my sanctuary. Hey, welcome back to Game Dev Breakdown. Todd Mitchell here. My mouth is a little bit dry because I just recorded <laughs> uh, the Patreon-exclusive show at patreon.com slash play. They brought me a topic, and I delivered a show. So doing double duty today, we are talking about tutorials in games. And that is because there's this thing I keep noticing on Twitter, elsewhere on social media, in gaming groups. This is actually kind of a prevalent idea, this thought that tutorials do not belong in games. Like they're a cop out, an easy way out, a failure for game designers. I've got this screenshot I captured that shows several tweets from people on the, on this topic. I found these tweets by searching for tutorials, comma, failed as a designer. <laughs> and they, they tend to sound similar after you've read a few. Here's one that says, uh, every game should have implicit tutorials like Mega Man X. And you've failed as a game designer if you have to explain. Here's another one. And yes, comma, tutorials are for idiots in my opinion. If you, the letter U, fail to teach the game seamlessly while playing, period, for no reason, then you failed as a designer. Here's another one. I feel like I've failed as a designer when playtesters say they need a tutorial. And yet, pretty much most games have them. Okay, so... Um, this is something that stands out to me and I'm for a long time. I wasn't sure what my issue with this was, but I feel like I'm a player before I'm a game designer. I, I, I feel that way. Cause I, I was a gamer as a kid, as a teenager. And I guess I don't go through life thinking about everything. Like I'm some kind of artist, you know what I mean? And, and maybe that's where I'm different from these people uh, with that third tweeter uh, excluded from that. I, I don't look at everything like what I did was a work of art. I like to look at my projects as games. I made something for people to play and I care about the experience that person has. And I don't feel like I need for a person to go through one of my games and go, Oh, this makes me think the following things about Todd. I just, that's not what it's about for me. So I guess I'm the exact opposite of Kojima. Oh, snap. Um, but seriously, I, I don't I don't look at a tutorial as a failure. And the first person brings up Mega Man X. And I had to revisit this because I thought, what even stands out about Mega Man X's first level? So what it is, is basically a very easy level with no instruction. And I think people are kind of reading stuff into it that isn't really there. I don't think that it necessarily had this brilliant design. I'm not trying to bag on the game. I'm just saying I don't read into it like it had this super carefully planned design to it that teaches you the game's mechanics. It's a lot more to me like an easy level where it just throws random enemies at you and you just bash buttons till you figure out what each one does. I, I honestly don't look at it like <laughs> some sort of masterpiece of education. I also find the game a little bit visually confusing with like what's supposed to be part of the foreground and background and some of it is closer to the camera than you, but it can't hurt you. And like, it's confusing to me. I, I like the games. 
But I got to thinking about this and I thought, what about this game makes this worth talking about? So, for one thing, the uh, platform genre more than established by the time Mega Man X came around. The Mega Man series was already established. So I think the designers had less to lose by letting players just jump in and experiment for a minute before dropping them into the rest of the game. And so they kind of got away with this. I don't think that made it necessarily brilliant. I think it just, for one thing, they may not have had time to do a tutorial. I mean, there's (laughs) stuff like that's a reality. But so I, I sort of felt some people out about this. In reality, players are very divided about tutorials and and how they want to be introduced to a game. And and you kind of get that from this third tweet that says, I feel like I've failed as a designer when playtesters say they need a tutorial, but pretty much most games have them. Okay, so that's your players asking for a tutorial. So we know that this is not a universal concept that players hate tutorials. I don't think that's true. I don't mind them a bit. I prefer it. Because I, I don't want to feel like I'm learning the game by eating shit constantly and losing over and over and over again, losing lives and restarting a game because I don't know what's going on yet. But as I started to have conversations about this, people started pointing me to the same game, and that is Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. I was not the biggest fan of Blood Dragon just because the style that they used I thought was... Like, it didn't really resonate with me the way it did with a lot of people, I guess. It's fine. It's a clever and, and entertaining game. It's just... It wasn't really my thing. I liked the proper series a lot more than I liked that one-off thing. And oddly enough, they did a Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon crossover with the Trials Dirt Bike series, and I actually liked that game a lot more than I liked Blood Dragon. So anyway, everyone pointed at that as one of the funniest, most entertaining, and positive tutorials they could remember. So I thought, not only are people saying no... We kind of like tutorials, and not in every case, obviously, but a lot of people who think player first, they think, I do like tutorials, and here's the one I like the best. So I went back and looked at that one, because I didn't really remember that either. But what Blood Dragon does is it has a tutorial that uh, drops you into a level, and and this is a pretty big, well-designed, thought, well-thought level, but it stops you with like full-screen prompts Like, it's overkill. Like, it starts with, like, full-screen prompts every few seconds that give you different controls. And, I mean, we're talking, like, movement, head movement, every possible thing. And while it does this, the lead character complains about them, like, screw this, this is stupid, let me me kill somebody, let me get into the game. The way that, you know, the player would presumably be reacting to it. Which is, it's funny, it is a funny thing. However, as you're doing this, it is using that tried-and-true method to teach you the entire Far Cry, like, advanced FPS control scheme. And it does a very effective job of teaching you in, like, I mean, videos of this are only three or four minutes, and then you know how to play the game. And I thought that's so funny, but there are actually a lot of parallels between Mega Man X and Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. Both of these games had pretty well-established genres. I mean, they, they aren't exactly pushing the envelope, they have pre-existing players for the series. You know, they they weren't the first games in their series by any means. And they went polar opposite directions. And honestly, players look at both as having the right answer for how to handle tutorials. So it, it just stood out to me that this is a more complicated issue than saying, well, if you've got a tutorial, you're doing it wrong. I mean, logically, that doesn't really hold up. Because, yes, if you have an artsy 
indie platformer thing that you're going for that's like exploratory and things are supposed to be mysterious. Yeah, that's probably a good time to do a well thought out first level that doesn't hold your hand and gives you this feeling of like, oh, what's going on? I don't know what I'm doing. What, what's this game about? That's kind of when you want to do that. If you have an arcade basketball game, if you invented your own card game, if you uh, created a civilization type strategy game, there's a lot of situations where if you don't have a tutorial, you should probably expect to hear about it from your playtesters the way that third person did. I don't think you should look at that as your own failure as a designer. I think it probably means you have an intricate, complex uh, game for people to play, and I'm sure they want to play it, but I'm sure they also want to know how to play it. You know, it's it's not not I don't I don't think trial and error necessarily makes for a positive learning experience in a game of a certain type. So, so this whole thing, as I was researching for this article, got me thinking. Okay, so how should the average designer approach? even the, the idea of a tutorial. And I thought there, there has to be some research on this. And I know it's probably tricky to collect data on the idea of whether or not to do t- a tutorial, but I uh, checked out Gamma Sutra and sure enough, they had a featured post uh, back in 2017 by a guy named Nathan Hedges, who was a games technology major at a, uh, at a major university. His master's project was a study into learning in games and specifically um, information about tutorials and introductory levels and their impacts on uh, players and studying the, the positive or negative responses. So I thought, yes, perfect. That's what I need to do. So basically, this was a series of interviews that were uh, compiled and studied. And honestly, I was surprised to find that the guy only talked to 10 participants that sounds like not a lot for a master's project, but I honestly, I've never done a master's project. Maybe that's perfectly normal, but that's a pretty good collection of uh, answers for how different pl- I assume, you know, they, they weren't all basically the same exact person. It's a pretty good sample size of uh, responses for how tutorials impact a player. So uh, what this person did was he interviewed people and gathered uh, positive things that he heard mentioned a couple of times, at least, I guess, and then negative things, and then things that kept coming up, which didn't really fit into either category. And I thought it'd be interesting to go over that and talk about that. So of of this respondent group, something that that, uh, made it to the notes was players like a tutorial that doesn't feel like a tutorial. For example, the uh, Blood Dragon thing, where there were big full screen prompts that stopped the game, Probably players don't feel positive about that, and I think Blood Dragon only did that as a joke. So uh, that that's something to keep in mind. Players like tutorials that don't disrupt a game flow. So again, the pausing, not great. I think if you had done the Blood Dragon tutorial and they just had like floating prompts in world space or uh, just button prompts that were maybe like just floating in the air next to a player, you know, sneak up to this guy and click the right thumbstick to do a, a silent takedown. I think there was a way you could have done that where it wouldn't have had to be funny. The player would have just gone, okay, great. Now I know how to do a takedown. And I would really have to think back to the other Far Cry games. Probably earlier in the series, they may have done some version of that. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if even Far Cry 3, the main game, did something closer to that. You can do it in such a way that it's not disruptive. Number three is low chance of failing. It looked like I said falling. Low chance of failing. So that's kind of what I meant 
with Mega Man X, for example, you can definitely eat shit off a, a ledge and you will have to, uh, you know, start at the, the save spot or respawn nearby. Like it's not a good feeling when you, to me and to these people, when you start a game and <laughs> you're, you're uh, crapping out and it's not really your fault. I don't, I don't like that. So another positive element is a tutorial boss. I think that's a cool idea. It's, it gives you a sense of what the rest of the game is going to be like before you are uh, cut loose out in the world. You've, you've got like, here's what the bosses are like in this game. I think one reason for that is because it causes you to uh, take a, a moment up front to figure out the process for defeating bosses in the game. A lot, a lot of games have like, well, you need to find a certain weakness and here's the kind of weakness you might be looking for. Um, that's another chance to prevent f- frustrating failure at the end of like the first proper level, something like that. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Players like feeling prepared. Okay, so another another shortcoming, I think, in the Mega Man X thing is uh, it, it doesn't leave you feeling prepared because I don't know what the booklet looks like for the game, obviously. I never even owned this game. I've played it, but... I don't know what's in the booklet and if it gives you information about here's the type of attacks you can do, here's what they're effective against, here's what they're not effective against. I could run through that tutorial level and feel like I made it through, but there may have been a better way to do something I don't even know about. I would absolutely worry about that. So preparedness is important psychologically. Another positive element, ability to skip a tutorial. I think that goes without saying. (laughs) um, Ideally, if you make a game people will play it more than once, right? And people will play through it more than once if they really love it. They are not going to want to sit through that tutorial a second time. I'm sure I don't have to explain this. It just makes sense that you would say, either up front, do you want to skip the tutorial? When you start it, you know, do you want to exit the tutorial? Do you want to skip this dialogue? Um, that's, that's needless to say, very important. Freedom to experiment is another one. Yes, I don't think a timed tutorial or something with a... Uh, moving screen you can't stop let people figure out what they're doing because people learn at different speeds and you want to bring players to as close to an anticipated level of knowledge as possible before they start the game i don't think anyone would argue with that maybe john learns slower than ted and you want john and ted to feel the exact same level of prepared when they start the game so give john an extra moment pretty easy stuff Focus on unique mechanics. Yes. You want to spend more time on a grappling mechanic than a walking mechanic. That's pretty <laughs> pretty self-explanatory. It's probably easy to overlook. If you're putting together a tutorial, you would think like one quick screen for everything, but you may need to spend extra time on stuff that's in your games, but not other typical games from that category. With that... What's that? Eight, two, three, four. Yeah, that's so that's eight positive patterns that were notated from these interviews. Let's talk about negative patterns. First one is hand holding. Know how to not overdo it. I think this is one area that convinces people that tutorials might be bad because if they hand hold too much or if they take too long or if they insult your intelligence, you know, they're going to have a negative perception of that experience. Number two, not skippable. Already talked about it. Do not, don't make people sit through your tutorial. That's not good. They might not want it or they might not need it. Next one is patronizing. That's exactly 
what we just talked about. If you are insulting the intelligence of your players, they're going to assume it's for either stupid people or younger people, and they might drop it right there. And if they don't drop it, they're at least going to have that idea in their head like, I may be too smart for this game. I may be too far along in my mental development to play this game. That is not how you want people to look at your work. The next one is forced videos and cutscenes. I look at videos and cutscenes the same way as the tutorial itself. There should be a way to skip it. Maybe you just tortured yourself. Maybe you bend over backwards putting together these cutscenes. You need to get over that mentally and allow people not to see them at all. Put a, put a setting in the options. I don't want to see these ever. You know, let people do as much skipping and cutting and and uh, opting out as possible because let them make it their experience. It's This is another sort of philosophical debate, but I think it's better to let players make your game their own experience in the way that they prefer because, I again, that's a player-first opinion. I don't think of myself as so much of an artiste that I have to dictate every little part of your experience when you play my games. I think that's ridiculous. And that might be the reason that I look at some of these game developers who have their names plastered all over products and and stuff like that. And I I have sort of a, not a low opinion. That's not, I don't, I don't really want to take a shot at anybody, but I think that's one thing that sets me apart from them. Also success. They are successful. I am not, but I think something that makes us different is they want to dictate every little thing. And I think if you think of things like this, skippable this, uh, customizable that, you don't see it as often in their games. And that gives a that gives people a bad taste in their mouth. Don't assume you know what the other player wants right down to like, you know, which part of the screen they look at. Every little tiny thing. Let people have their own experience. Overload of information is another negative thing. So if your tutorial dumps page after page after page of information and dumps too much at once, if you have a super complicated game, you need probably multiple tutorials. You need to give them something to get started with, and you need to introduce more information later. That's probably specific to like strategy games and not the simple ones. If you have a very deep game with tons of technical stuff, Uh, you know whether or not you do or don't. But you can't just dump everything on the player at once and go, well, great, Google it if you don't get it. So that's another one. Not not too simple, not too hard. Next item is Ruins Game Flow. That's that's a little bit of a complicated one. Um, The tutorial should sort of feel like it flows in with the game, especially if it's just a level you play. It should feel like it moves bop, bop, bop at a steady clip and goes into the rest of the game. If it's its own thing, I think that's a little bit different. And that's that's a good thing to consider because if you make a tutorial that's optional, I don't think you necessarily need to have it flow perfectly into the rest of the game. Take the person out of the experience completely if you need to. Put them against a blue screen and just show them how to do stuff and let them get back into the action. I think that's okay. Some people would definitely argue with that. But uh, flow is important depending on how you handle your tutorial. The next one is irrelevant information. I haven't personally seen a lot of this. I think tutorials are usually pretty well focused because they come from the designer and so they usually they usually stick to the important information. But by all means, if you have irrelevant information in your tutorial, don't. If <laughs> I don't even know what that would look like. If you if you think of good examples of that, let me know what they are cuz it'd be a good thing to consider and we can bring this back up in the future, but the stuff I picture in my head is like 
<laughs> you know, uh, B fires the grappling hook. This took eight months to, <laughs> to code. You know, it's like what, what irrelevant information is going out in these tutorials. The next one is failed to provide necessary information. Okay. That's an issue I think that you'll find in Mega Man X personally. And I'm picking on Mega Man X just because it came up, but I think a lot of games do fail to let you know, like, here's how to handle this situation. Because if you're designing a game that's supposed to be clever in ways that like, here's an enemy that responds better to this kind of attack than this kind of attack, you do have to let the player know in some way. Maybe you can find a clever way to put that in a level, but otherwise, you need to let them know explicitly. Don't leave it to Google to let players know how to play this game. I don't think that's the right approach. The next one is constant pauses and stops. This is what Blood Dragon did to be funny. Because, I mean, like the first 30 seconds is like stopping you every five seconds or so. It's, it's something. It's just a funny thing. And I think that's probably the biggest one that caused people to go, no more tutorials. That's stupid. I get it. Don't. Don't do constant pauses and stops. Make things float in world space. Find clever ways to, even if you have to put it in print, do that in a clever way that doesn't jar the player. The last one is too long. Absolutely. Don't make your tutorial or your introductory level too long. I think that goes without saying. So I think these are great lists. I will post a link to this article in the show notes. I think the takeaway here is that every game has different needs you need to know what those needs are, and you need to determine what serves your player the best. Not what makes you look cool, not what makes you the best artist, you know, not, not what's going to put you up for an indie award. You shouldn't care about any of that. You should care about your player's experience, and if the player needs a tutorial, you need to give them one. If they don't, get more creative. Absolutely. So think about these elements. Think about how they serve your game and your player. And uh, don't worry about what these dudes are tweeting on Twitter. That's absurd. So uh, the great tutorial debate. I think there's plenty of room to have different opinions on this. I would love to hear what people think about it, what you've done in your games. If you've shipped a game with a tutorial or you consciously skip tutorials for a certain reason, love feedback about stuff like that. Absolutely. We're all trying to get to the bottom of how to do what we do the best way possible. If you enjoy the Game Dev Breakdown podcast, we would love to have you subscribe or review it or share it with a friend. Anything you can do. None of it costs a dollar. It it just all helps us uh, get the word out. So if you do want to spend a dollar, we have have, uh, all sorts of fun things you can do at patreon.com slash codewriteplay. Putting up an exclusive episode for them right now. We will definitely talk to more guests on the show. It's just hard to get people in during the holiday season. I'm also talking to a person who I won't reveal at this time about a project that I can't reveal at this time that you're going to hear more about early in 2020. I'm, I'm out of my mind with excitement about this. It really is going to be a big deal and it's going to be awesome. And we're going to have a ton of fun with it. It's not going to stop what we do here. So you'll, uh, you'll hear about it first. So everybody keep up the good work. Let me know what you want to hear about and what you're working on. I, I love conversations like that. Ask anybody. I've had two people in the last week ask me for my P.O. box so they can send stuff. So we're going to do a little bit of a mailbag episode here coming up soon, almost definitely before Christmas. And I'm excited about that, too, because I this is a community thing and I love hearing from all of you. And uh, that's that's what makes this fun for me. So get in touch. Stay tuned for more soon and uh, catch you then. 